beautiful change right in our hearts that we read, read about in John and 1 Corinthians and also as we confess it together, the articles we read is it's already promised in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27. You'll note that this is right before the, the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones where the Lord promises to work that change through the, the working of the Spirit. Ezekiel 36, right after promising to grant the forgiveness of sins in, in verse 25 and repeating also this promise from Ezekiel chapter 11, uh, we read, the Lord says to his people, Ezekiel 36 verse 26, page 724, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, last week we saw that we don't, why we don't trust in ourselves to choose for God. And this week we need to see what God does in the hearts of the elect in order that they might become willing and able to turn to Him. And we confess, we just read it together, that conversion is not an instantaneous work, but that it takes place through a procedure including several steps. And I preach to you the gospel of God's supernatural and mysterious work of conversion under the following theme, the great physician, reference to our God, transfer, transforms the hearts of his chosen ones. We'll see that the Spirit cuts to the core of our being, confers the gift of faith, and converts our will to act. First then we see the Holy Spirit cuts to the core of our being, and we Get that picture from Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, describing the way that God transforms a rebel into a willing citizen of his, of his kingdom. And those verses compare it to the process of removing a heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh. And in this comparison, the heart refers to the center of a person's existence. It's the root of all our desires and the inclinations of our will to make certain choices in our life. That's the object or the, the focus of God's work. Our heart and will were created within us to guide us toward God but after our will was enslaved to sin, our love for ourselves above everything else causes fallen mankind to always do things for the wrong reasons, even, even good things. When Ezekiel 36 speaks about a heart of stone, it's describing a hard heart, a heart that is stubbornly opposed to glorifying God and is not open to any change. Last week we compared such a heart to a vehicle that is locked in its away from God position. And although it's able to do some relative good in the world, it is unable to, to turn around to face back into God's direction. And many people in the world are left 
in the state of rebellion without ever receiving any special revelation of God from the Bible to explain the things that they're seeing in creation around them. And Romans 1 talks about that. Although by nature they know there is a powerful and eternal God, they are constantly suppressing this truth in unrighteousness and they translate their minimal understanding into idol worship. And those who don't receive the Word of God at all uh, can be compared to people in the field won over from where the sower is sowing the seed if we think about Jesus' parable of the sower. Now other people are given more by God's grace and they are not only given the skills to understand and discern the implications of a written text, the skills that we pick up from our parents teaching us how to read or schools that teach us comprehension. But these people, these are also given the opportunity to to read the Bible or perhaps to hear the gospel message announced. And although many people, we can see it around us, they ignore the Bible, they ignore the preaching and, and are like the hard path people in Jesus' parable of the sower, there are many who may be interested in what the Bible has to say. They may be impressed with the Bible's ancient age, its internal unity, the fulfillment of all the prophecies and the obviously great news of the offer of the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life by grace alone. But it soon becomes clear that although they are interested in the Bible, their hearts are not open to receive the message in in such a way that it changes their life's direction. The untouched heart manifests itself by its persistence in only considering what we, what I can get out of church or out of the Christian religion. And the commitment to a church or the Christian religion ends up being based only on self-interests and comfort. And so such people may attend church to keep peace with their family or with their friends. Or they may start coming to a a church to find a kind husband or wife or to receive emotional or financial support. But they do not last when hardships come or when they find something that shines a little brighter in their, in, in their mind that they love even more than they love the Lord. Although they may have heard the preaching, the moral persuasion, the outward teaching of, of the warnings of hell, the descriptions of an eternal paradise, explanation of God's unconditional love in Jesus Christ and instructions on the need to confess their sins and repent the hearts of fallen sinners, even those who who may be hearing the preaching. The hearts that are untouched by the Holy Spirit remain impenetrable, unchanging, and as unfeeling as stones. Unless God makes a change, unless God reaches into the core of a person's being. The promise of Ezekiel 36, verse 26, to remove the heart of stone and to replace it with a heart of flesh is then a promise to bring those changes that will affect a person in such a way 
that they will be able to begin to, to hear, to, to feel, to think, and, and even want different things. The, the Word touches them in the innermost part of their being. Now changing a person's heart requires some serious cutting and renovating work that must go beyond the superficial cut on the outer layer or just the doorway to our hearts. The Bible says this is something only the Holy Spirit can do. The Bible teaches that a true conversion or rebirth or regeneration or change of a person's heart and actions can only take place when the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to cut right down into the innermost recesses of our hearts. That's Deuteronomy 30, or our Lord Jesus' teaching in John 5, verse 25. Changes only come when the Holy Spirit opens our heart to pay attention to the preaching. Acts 16, verse 14. Or like we sang in Psalm 119, opens our, our eyes to see His law. Or like we read in, in Luke 24, verse 45, where the Spirit gives a person understanding of what is being said. The Holy Spirit makes us accept the Word of God, not as the Word of people, but as it really is the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2 Verse 13, and then the Holy Spirit makes sure that we are not merely hearers of the Word, but also doers of righteousness. Our Lord Jesus taught us this in Luke 6, verse 46 to 49, and we read about it also in James 1, verse 22 to 27. When the Holy Spirit works the Word of God into the hearts of people who have just heard that the preaching then we read in Acts 2, verse 37, people are cut to the heart. That's a way of saying that the Word of God affected them right in the core of their being. It, it, it hit them right in the gut, stopping them in their tracks and, and giving them a longing to, to change direction, to keep in step with God's guiding Spirit. And we rejoice to to see that this special work continues to happen whenever the Word of God is, is faithfully proclaimed and taught and explained. And we experience that ourselves, that the, the words of Scripture that we're reading or maybe that we're hearing in, in a worship service, they, they actually begin to affect our wills, our thinking, our desires. They, they're just sounds, right? They're just letters on a page and, and sounds that enter into our ears and yet they actually affect the way we think. And you can use the parable of the sower as an example to see how that affected you. When you heard that parable, when you thought about the instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the warnings of, of not turning away from that word, the encouragement to have an open and receptive heart. You prayed for those things. You, you began to want that very thing that God had presented to you in His Word. And we note that when the Holy Spirit does this work, it's a guaranteed work, regardless of whom God employs 
to bring the message. And Paul said that very clearly in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, it's not like I was such a great and convincing preacher, but it's the power of God and the Spirit that affects the hearer. We confess then that conversion is comparable to the act of creation. Think here of God speaking and things coming to be. It's, it's comparable to the, the rising from the dead. Think of Ezekiel 37, that valley of scattered dry bones now coming to life because the Word of God was preached and God worked in the hearts of the hearers. It's something that only God can accomplish. The good news for us is that if someone is chosen by God before the foundation of the world, the Lord our God can and will cause that person to hear, to understand, to absorb, and to submit to the message with repentance and with faith. Although he sends heralds of this message who carefully prepare for the task of bringing the gospel in the language of the hearers, And he uses all of us who are faithful in our task of generously sowing the seed of the gospel to the people we we come across each day. The Lord does not depend on us to achieve his purposes. He says, so, and then he works the faith. Even the greatest preacher in the world with the most followers on the internet, he cannot claim to have changed a single heart for only the Holy Spirit can penetrate to the core of our being. We read that in 1 Corinthians 2. After we have done our part in sharing the Gospel, only God can confer faith into the hearts of the people so that they respond with, with, with faith and belief. We see that in the second point. The Holy Spirit confers the gift of faith. And so, we look at the process that's revealed in Scripture. We see that God ensures that the elect are among those who receive the Word through the preaching. And then He ensures that His elect are among those who heard the preaching who are able to understand that the Gospel message is a real offer. And then finally, in order to distinguish the elect from everyone else who hears the message, God confers faith upon those whom He has chosen to Himself before the foundation of the world. The Bible teaches that God doesn't just offer it like He offers the promise of the Gospel and the preaching, but that He confers faith on a person. He instills it. He infuses faith into our hearts so that faith becomes a part of us. Ephesians 2 verse 8 describes faith there as a gift of God. Philippians 2 verse 13 states clearly that God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure God gives man both the will to believe and the act of believing, the faith. After God declares His chosen ones to be righteous out of mere grace only for the sake of Christ's merits, He reaches into the core of of the being of those whom He has chosen and He instills new qualities in our will. It's like the the gospel promise and and a living faith are injected right into our very veins, making us 
new people, new creation to come alive as a completely renewed and rewired human being. This change from believing or from not believing to believing, it's not only supernatural, like creation and rising from the dead, but it's also mysterious and delightful. That means that it's not easy to explain. And as we read Scripture to try to find the words, we, we come across Luke 24, which was the display text as we, we walked in today when the, the men were on the road to Emmaus and Jesus joined them after He had risen from the dead. And, and we read that their hearts were burning when Jesus was teaching them that all the Scriptures spoke about Him. Others who have been converted describe it as a a light bulb turning on when they suddenly knew in their hearts that they were sinners, but that Christ died for their sins out of mere grace. And I think if we look around, we think, how many of you have had that in your lives? We we can all nod. It hits us. We, We see it's true for me too. Others might describe how over time they came to, to recognize that, that a worship service and, and that the, the sermon in church wasn't just some, some pastor just talking away and, and sharing his opinions, but that it is the Word of God spoken directly to them and for them because of God's eternal purposes. However, it's worked in our hearts. The faith that God infuses right into the core of our being gives us an unshakable certainty that God's Word is the truthful explanation of all reality and that we ourselves may benefit directly from Christ's work. We confess that so beautifully in Lord's Day 7 of the Heidelberg Catechism, which is summarizing Hebrews 11 verse 1. Receiving faith from God. It's like a person without arms now receiving the arms they need to embrace Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior to to be incorporated into His body to share in all the benefits of His work which, which pour into our lives and completely change our perspective. See why it's called a mysterious work but a delightful work work. Life changing. It's like a, a reworked hard drive. All the viruses of, of pride and selfishness are, are, are removed and all that clutter and the, and the garbage that binds us as with wires to this temporary life. They're, they're tossed out so that the Word and Spirit of Christ dwell in our hearts and we're set free to worship God as He created us to worship restored to unity with our Father in heaven. And because the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are so intimately involved and and directly involved in the hearts of the people that He had chosen before the foundation of the world, we can be certain that His work is, is guaranteed to have the result of the true change, the true conversion that He desires. To use the big word that we, we learned a few, uh, a few weeks ago. Again, that, that word, it's efficacious work. 
It accomplishes the results that the Lord sought out to obtain. Genuine faith then is a gift. Not just a gift that's attached to us like, like Velcroed onto our, our back or onto our, our mind so that we remain the same people with a, with a, with a coat of faith on the outside, a, some sort of hypocr- hypocrisy. But faith infused takes on a life of its own. We confess it very beautifully. It's a, a wonderful sentence to remember, to summarize it too. The, the will so renewed is not only acted upon and moved by God, but acted upon by God, the will itself acts. And that's what we see in our lives. Our wills acting. We confess that when the gospel comes to the elect, God ensures that they will respond in faith and so they are certainly unfailingly and effectually regenerated and do actually believe. We do want to believe. We, we want to serve the Lord genuinely from our hearts. And that's why we say sanctification is a necessary fruit of being declared righteous. Justification. God gives His Spirit to dwell in the hearts of every person whom He declares righteous in Jesus Christ. And so God's chosen ones will truly and sincerely begin to want to glorify God once again. You can see that you are a Christian. You can see that you have a new heart because God, the Spirit, converts our will. There's a distinction that's made and it's explained more in in Article 16. But when God works in our hearts, it shouldn't be compared to God inserting a chip in our heart or, or minds that He can remotely control so that we are under His power and have no ability to say or think or, or do things sincerely from our hearts. The work of conversion is also not to be compared to the attachment of a, a collar or a chain so that now God can, can drag us into His kingdom. Rather, that change is, is a change that makes us know in our hearts, our own hearts, what is right and what is wrong. That makes us begin to desire to glorify God instead of ourselves, makes us confess our faith in Jesus Christ from our renewed hearts. Romans 10, verses 9 to 10. After He works in our hearts, it's like He he removes all the chains and collars that the devil put on us to try enslave us. He removes that away from God chip in our minds to restore us to the way He made us, giving us freedom to begin to live how He created us to live so that we want to go toward Him again. Just speaking of this change fills our hearts with joy. We, we see the power of God right within our hearts. Having crossed over from death to life, John 5 verse 24 The citizens of the kingdom of heaven know Jesus Christ. We're able to to see the world and understand the world. 
We are able to begin to recognize the temptations and, and the sins that will take us further away from that close fellowship with God. We'll strive for those things in this life that can truly bring us true joy. When God calls all sinners to repent and to believe, He gives the elect what He demands of them. And so we confess that He strengthens and moves them by His Spirit to produce real and genuine fruit of faith. People who have been saved by God's grace actually begin to want to live like citizens of God's eternal kingdom. Their eyes are focused on Jesus Christ, Colossians 3. And they can begin to actually reflect the image of God on earth as they seek to be imitators of Jesus Christ, that ultimate suffering servant who sacrificed his own life for others. And so those who are worked on by God and begin to act themselves, they have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, verse 22. They make choices for the glory of God rather than for themselves, their own interests or their own comforts. They learn humility and dependence and trust and submissiveness. They recognize that they have been made to serve and love God by serving and loving their neighbors. And so we can see our lives. We can scan our hearts with the Bible. The Spirit helps us to do a heart scan. And we'll see that, that inner renewed heart will show that Deep in the innermost recesses of our hearts, although we may get distracted from time to time, but deep down it is our heartfelt desire to serve God above everything else and love our neighbor with our heart and soul and mind and strength in the place where God has called us to serve. And so when the elders visit with us and in the family visits as under-shepherds of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. And we have that conversation. That it's a heart scan again where, where together we, we may rejoice in the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. As we consult with one another, how does one with a new heart respond to this situation or that situation? And then we see what it is that we truly want in this life and from this life? What are our goals? And why are these our goals? Is there a limit to what you are willing to sacrifice for the sake of the, the glory of God and His kingdom and His, and His church? We might talk to young people, why do you want to profess your faith? You might talk to another person who's struggling and ask, why did you profess your faith and why do you continue to profess your faith every Sunday as you, as you say it together? What's driving us? What is it that we want? Because that's how you can tell that the Holy Spirit is in your heart. Are we motivated by the crowds that are out there 
or by the renewed heart within us, led by the Holy Spirit. And as we do this reflection, we think of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6, where, where God says that it's, it's God who empowers such activities in every one of his chosen ones. And as we do these heart scans, as we seek to walk in fellowship with God and, and with one another, we, we, our hearts are, are led to praise God for every single fruit of his hand in our lives that we can see. We may rejoice together to observe a, a prompt and sincere faith in our own hearts. And yet the Bible tells us when you see that, give God all the glory and all the praise. You might feel that it was your choice to turn to God. But the Bible tells us that God infused that faith in our hearts after ensuring that we heard the gospel. You might sometimes think that you are a little better than other people because you have more check marks beside the fruit of the Holy Spirit than anyone else. But the Bible tells you that every good thought, every God-honoring word, every deed you did for the glory of God, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not you, the Holy Spirit who works within you. You might congratulate another person on their spiritual gifts. You might speak glowing words about a person's many good qualities at a, at a funeral. But the Bible tells us that it was God who worked such faith and such obedience into our hearts and that in doing that, He was showing immense mercy and grace to, to undeserving sinners. And every time, we reflect on the changes, the transformation, the, the new life, the new creation that we may be in Jesus Christ. It, it brings us to our knees to praise God even more for His grace to us. Rather than dividing the honor that belongs to God between the creature and His creatures as the Arminians do that this our confession was written against, we confess that it is right to give God all the glory, even for the fact that we understood something, that we believed, that we did good works. God, the great physician, transforms the hearts of all those whom He has chosen before the foundation of the world so that we might be a new creation. And over and over again we say, with Psalm 151 that will sing immediately after this message, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Your name give glory for the sake of Your steadfast love and Your faithfulness. Amen.